This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Hi, listeners, here we go. We are on today with Suzanne Monroe. She is the founder of the International Association of Wellness Professionals, and today the topic is career burnout. What a relevant topic, right? I mean, who hasn't questioned if they made the right career choice, if they made the right choice, but maybe they're ready for a change. And if we are ready for a change, how do we make such an important life decision? How do we assess what our needs are, what direction we would even go if we did make a change, and what is truly going to lead us to true happiness, true fulfillment in a career and in life. Suzanne touches on so many amazing points in this episode. Everyone is going to have a takeaway. Whether you are happy in your career, not happy in your career, know someone that wants to make a change, or maybe just taking some of these really important bullet points about change and applying them to other avenues of your life. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your fitness goals. We link a lot of things together because in the end, this really is about human nature and, and being aware of ourselves and our needs. Suzanne is just a wealth of knowledge. She was a pleasure to talk to, and I know that you are gonna have some great applicable takeaways amongst such a, a complicated and important topic and, and decision. So as always, please enjoy, please rate and review, and listen in to Suzanne Monroe. All right, listeners, we are on. Suzanne, well, first of all, just thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Super excited to be here. You know, where I want to start is our topic today is talking about career burnout. I'd like to know a little bit more about you, your background. What led you to making a career, a passion out of this topic? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about my career burnout story and it actually goes back to a really a young age, you know, um, you know, every kid kind of gets to ask that question. What do you want? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I just never knew the answer. And even as I grew up, I got into like later adolescence and, you know, teen years. And of course, a young adult, like I really never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so um, I, I just was like, well, what should I do here? Right. And I just kind of followed the plan, which was the formula that my parents kind of laid out before me, which was you go to good school, you get good grades and you go get the good job. Right. So it was like good school, good grades, good job. And then that was supposed to be success. So I followed that plan because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I landed me in my very first job in the corporate world. And um, I was working this kind of fast paced consulting firm in Chicago really high stress. And because it was my first job, I'm thinking, okay, everything here, this is how it's supposed to be. This is normal. So when I saw my coworkers sleeping under their desks, um, I thought, okay, is this normal? And then of course I saw my boss wearing his pajama pants one morning. He was on his way to brush his teeth in the bathroom. And I'm thinking, okay, is this normal? Now, I always like to say, I actually never spent the night under my desk, but I definitely... <laughs> bank some really late hours. In fact, um, 
one of my first burnout career burnout moments came when I was working on a project. Um, I was traveling around uh, Latin America. I speak Spanish, or at least I did fluently at the time. Might be a little rusty now, but I landed in Argentina and I was working on a project there. And I think it was like the third night. And I mean, I mean, we had just been working all night long for several nights in a row. And I finally just put my head down on the desk and I said to the team, I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. And I got up and I left. And I realized I couldn't, it wasn't that I couldn't just do the project anymore. I couldn't do this career anymore. I really couldn't do this lifestyle anymore. And I realized, okay, this is, I don't know if I had that wording then career burnout, but that was really one of my first burnout moments. But you know what? I ended up in other positions and that way they look different on the outside, but a lot of the same things were happening on the inside. And finally I realized, you know what? No one's coming to save me. Right. And no one coming to save me was really about me realizing I've got to do something about this. I've got to kind of lead the change and and really direct the course of my own life if I want things to change. But, you know, and I think you've mentioned a big kink in our system, at least the way I see it, is we're children when we start making some of these major decisions. And, you know, there's a lot of cultures you look at that just make that decision for you. There's a lot of cultures that are like, well, you're medical school. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's what you're going to do. Yeah. But in general, we are still in our late teens when we start making one of the most important decisions of our lives of declaring a major. Where do you start, you know, if you're working with someone on the younger side, like how, how do you start even directing someone, the preventative side of things? If you look pre-cura burnout, you know, what do you think about the system that we have? And, you know, how does, how do we, how do we attack that part of it? Because I was someone that started with, I was a business major and I was fortunate enough to just realize midway through college is like, I don't, I don't like this. This is not for me. I shouldn't hate going to class as much as I hate going to class every day. And I, and I had good mentorship and I switched. Where do you start in that scenario? Well, I love that question. You know, it kind of makes me reflect on my own journey where my parents were saying, hey, this is the formula to follow. And to them, that really was success because I think every generation is trying to do more than their past generation. Like we always are trying to become more than maybe what our parents were, right? And like they were the first in their generation to go to college. So that really was something really big and huge and meaningful for them. And I'm not saying, I mean, I am so grateful that, you know, in many ways that I followed that path. And of course, especially here in the US, the opportunities we have with education, right? So like there's a lot to be grateful for. And yet, are we really helping people get on the path to discovering their unique strengths and talents and leading forward with that? And I think we're seeing this now, right? The next generation coming up is saying, okay, I don't want to be stuck in a cubicle, right? We're like the millennials. And of course, later generations now they're like, okay, can I become the YouTube star or whatever? But they're looking at different opportunities because they want to do something better, something different, something more. And I think we're seeing people move to wanting to do more meaningful things. I like to say we're in the transformation era now, right? We have of course, the industrial revolution and the agricultural age and all these different ages. And now we're in transformation. And this is really about stepping into what's meaningful to us, following our passions in life, right? Really getting on this path of self-growth in many ways. And I, I have to say, I share a proud mom moment. I have an 11-year-old son and I never really, I never, I try not to ask him, what do you want to be when you grow? Because I don't want him to go through what I went through. But somebody asked him this just the other day and his answer was myself. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is like, well, he's like a teacher here, right? Like if we could all just grow up to be ourselves, wouldn't that be amazing, right? So could the educational system, and I think we're seeing this with like some charter schools and different programs, but could we start directing people to really say, hey, what are my unique strengths and talents? What am I passionate about? Versus saying, let's be a Jack or Jackie of all trades and, you know, try to be good at everything. Uh, Yeah, which one just isn't realistic, right? And that 
with that phrase goes, you know, master of all is a master of none, right? Yeah. That's that's the common phrase. I am fortunate there's more opportunities for our kids than I feel like we had in terms of, and my wife and I just had this conversation of, you know, our five-year-old and we're getting into sports because I do believe sports are important for reasons outside of the sport. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of confidence and learning to work with others. I think there's a lot of cool things, but also are we getting him into a coding camp? Are we getting like, what are, what is he showing interest in even at a young age and trying to embrace it and trying to foster it. And like, you know, and I, I'm glad to say that if I pop online, there's no lack of opportunities for me to say, okay, if he's showing interest in this, let's, let's put in the next level of it and see if it continues to grow and try to nourish it. But really even letting the five-year-old lead the way, which sounds, might sound <laughs> ludicrous to some people, but I really, that that's kind of our approach right now with our youngest kids is what are you starting to show interest in? And let's kind of just keep following down that path as natural of a way as we can and less force fed, I guess. Yeah, that reminds me of a book I have on my shelf that I have not read yet, but it's something uh, to the title of like, are you going to be the gardener or the carpenter when you're raising your children, right? And the carpenter is like perfectly sculpting it. And, you know, this is exactly how it has to go. And and the gardener is like, hey, here's, put the seeds in and let's kind of see what happens. I'll, I'll do some gardening along the way, but it's going to look organic. It's going to change, right? And like, if we can come from that place with our children, like what a gift, right? To say, okay, what is really, what is it you want to do versus saying this is the only path. And I think that's really amazing that you're doing that, you know, with your kids. And of course, when we were, uh, we're probably around the same age, you know, we're growing up and, you know, you're either in sports or you're not, right? So it's like, okay, now yes. there's just so many opportunities, so many different clubs and organizations. I think when my uh, son was just entering into middle school this year, you could look at like the clubs page and it was like, you know, there's like a hundred different things you could choose to do, yes. which I think is so amazing, right? And so I think we're, I think things are evolving and changing, right? I don't think we're where we exactly want to be yet, but I think if we can, from as parents, if we can come from this place rather than saying you have to do this and come from this approach, I mean, wow, like we've done a a good job. A great job. Yeah. And it's hard because we have our preconceived notions. We have sure. our experiences. So we're trying to battle our kids against that. But we also have, you know, I'm, I'm a football coach. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a strength coach. I'll work with athletes all day long. It's very hard for me to not just say, well, this, that, this is important to me, so it should be important to you. But that is, of course, not how, how that should be the case. If we shift back into the, the adult world, when do people tend to come to someone like you? Where what signs and symptoms tend to be the first one? You know, in the medical community, we always talk about how like disease can be non-symptomatic, and then usually it has to become symptomatic before people go, "Oh, I'm going to go start seeking out some advice, some help." In the career burnout world, when do people start realizing, "Man, there, this is maybe not right." Yeah, that that is a great question. Well, what oftentimes happens to someone is when they hit kind of career burnout like I did, they're like, no one's coming to save me. You know, we also oftentimes have these reevaluation moments. And for me, that what happened here is I was experiencing career burnout, but I was also kind of going through this crisis with my husband at the time who was diagnosed with a, uh, a chronic illness that was supposed to be incurable, right? So at the same time that this is happening over here, kind of in this health area of our lives, I'm, I'm having this career burnout. And so this this was like, all of a sudden you have these, a challenge in your life. Like, what am I going to do? And it is a moment that just stops you in your tracks. And ultimately what happened was it ignited my passion for holistic wellness because we had tried to go down like this traditional route. And they said, you know, there's nothing we can really do for you. Life is kind of going to be going downhill from here, which threw us into the whole holistic space saying, okay, there's gotta be something we can do. And just fast forward here, you know, over two decades later, he's doing just fine. But the point is I saw, okay, wow, this is something, you know, this, what? 
what they said we had to do wasn't the case, right? So could I also apply that to my career? Because I had been following the formula. Like, what if I break free from the rules, right? So these worlds started kind of meshing and this reevaluation moment, I think is happening for a lot of people right now where something happens in your life that kind of stops you almost dead in your tracks. And then you say, okay, you know, this is an opportunity, right? And it's really like, okay, can I find the calm in the crisis is one thing I like to say. Can you find the calm in the moment? What's the opportunity here in this reevaluation moment where you maybe pivot and you make a switch? And, you know, to your point, well, how do people end up talking to me about this? Well, I'll just give you a case in point of one of the coaches in our community, Natalia, Natalia Edelman. She was stuck in a job. She was in the finance world, uh, wealth management. And I mean, if you're talking about career burnout, this was like a very stressful position. It went on for years and years, but then she was starting to have health challenges. And this can happen for people in career burnout because you aren't able to care for yourself, right? So it starts showing up as symptoms in the body. And this is what was happening to her. Now, what I love about her story is though, when she had this reevaluation moment, of course she felt trapped. She didn't know if she could get out, but she did something really powerful, which was she gave herself permission. She gave herself permission to actually ask her boss for a sabbatical. Now I know I'm sure people are listening are like, well, yeah, that sounds really good. I'm going to take a sabbatical. (laughs) But that may not be totally possible for every one. But the point is with right. Natalia's story is like she gave herself their permission. Her boss said, yes, go ahead, take the sabbatical. Right. And she was able to have that reflection time during her reevaluation moment wow. first to heal herself from the health challenges that resulted from career burnout, but then to realize, okay, this isn't what I want for myself. And then ultimately, you know, ended up joining our community, becoming a coach, going on to change her life. And here's what's really cool. Full circle moment. She's now helping other women uh, with both finances and wellness and those who have like kind of had burnout in, in corporate positions. So it's like, you know, she really got on this path to bringing all of her talents and experience together. So I think, um, you know, it's really about oftentimes you have the reevaluation moment and many times it also does impact your health because it becomes this wake up moment. You have to do something at that point. Well, and uh, stress absolutely brings illness, right? And it can bring a lot of things. It can bring, it can bring pain. It can bring illness. It can bring lack of sleep. There's a lot of symptoms that people may not link to what is happening within their career that may actually be the first things that pop up, right? If you notice that you, you can't just sleep all. And we, you know, here at the gym, we probably, we, we handle, or we deal with this in a, a reverse where we have people that are like, man, I was not sleeping well, or, you know, I, I, I've disordered eating and, you know, maybe now because of our conversation, they actually end up tracing it back and like, yeah, work is just so like, I'm just not happy at work. And we hear people all the time that'll, once they're more comfortable with us, start sharing these things. And we aren't trying to discuss their work careers. That is not our, it's not the scope of this fitness gym's place, but it certainly comes up often as a domino effect of the physical symptoms they're manifesting. When we're digging into why you're not getting stronger, why you aren't losing weight. Well, I'm not losing weight because my stress is high. Why is my stress high? Because I hate my job or because I'm overworked or because it's a combination of things. My job isn't perfect, but I also have this, this, and this going on at the same time. So I think it's, I think people need to do not a better job, but be more aware of those symptoms and being able to link it back into their career and maybe just rethinking it. To your point about your, your, your person with, who took the sabbatical, how do you get people to take the time to think and reflect when maybe a longer term stretch like a sabbatical isn't realistic? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Not everybody can take a sabbatical, but I like to say we got to press the pause button, right? And everybody can press the pause button in their life, even though right now you're thinking, no, I don't, ha- I can't. But start with just like five minutes a day, right? We can all find at least five minutes a day. And what happens is we start to open up to even more time after that. But we give ourselves a little bit of time and it's all about small steps, right? So like, even if you're stuck in a career right now, you're you're feeling burnout, what happens is you, you probably feel trapped, right? Like, and everything's seems overwhelming. And like, it's really hard to get clarity in that moment. And I totally get that. But that's why we have to just press the pause. And maybe it's just one Saturday morning or like, you know, one evening before bed. But what happens is that we don't do that. And what we start to do instead is start to numb out, right? We start to do these activities that we think are restoring ourselves because we are so burned out, but they're not. And, you know, numbing out can look like, you know, uh, binging on Netflix or scrolling social media for hours or drinking a bottle of wine. And let me be clear, nothing wrong with any of these activities. But if you're using it as the only way to restore yourself and like, you know, kind of cope with your burnout, that's, uh, you know, coming up or the stress that you have, then you're not actually giving yourself that time and space to say, what do I really need to not only care for myself, my health, my mental and emotional well-being, but to give myself a little bit of that time to say, what is it that, you know, I need to do next again? What is that next small step? Because small steps really add up to, to big steps. And what a big spectrum you just created, right? Anywhere from five minutes to a complete sabbatical might be might be what people need. But the important thing is take some time, even if it's that five minutes out of the spectrum, just take some time for self-reflection. Five minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but for some people, this is a challenge at first, yeah. right? To get them, or even just to make that a habit to say, hey, hold on, I'm going to go in the other room for a minute and just sit with my thoughts. I think we're always so full of stimulation. We're always, we're always around other people or the TV or like things are always just around so it's it takes time to to really do that. You know, you mentioned your story, and thank you for sharing the story of you and um and your husband at the time. Do you ask that question of people of you know do you or I should say do you find it often where people maybe are are dealing with a lot at one time and they're considering career burnout, but maybe it's your outside of career life is so stressful that it's taking away from your career experience. Do you often find those instances as well? For sure. And I think the thing is that everybody's story is different. I like what you were saying a little bit earlier about like, you know, people are coming into the gym and they've, they realize, okay, I've got, you know, maybe challenges with eating challenges with sleep challenges with my career. And then they start bringing up other things. And I think that's a really important point is like, we have to take a holistic approach and also understand that it's an individual approach, right? Not everybody's story looks the same. And so everything can be really different. And I'll share one of the things I had to do to really help me to get clear on like where I was with burnout is that I had to get really clear on what I call my personal principles. And I think this is something that can help everybody no matter where you are, right? Like no matter what your challenges are, you can kind of bring it down to this personal level. And I think this is huge because we spend approximately 90,000 hours working over a lifetime, which I don't know if you've heard that stat, but it's kind of insane, right? Like that's a long time. Okay. So here's the thing though. Here's the rub. If those 90,000 hours aren't tied to your personal principles, I mean, that's a lot of time, right? And that's where you start to see burnout because you are so out of alignment with what it is, you know, that is a reflection of you. And so personal principles are kind of like values, but they're even to me, they're even more personal. They go even a little bit deeper. And I'll just give an example, Mike, of some of my personal principles. You know, this is something people can do when they hit that pause button. Again, you don't have to take the sabbatical, but you can say, huh, let, let me think about my personal principles for five minutes. Um, just as an example, some of mine, of course, are, are wellness, right? Because that was a big part of my story and that became a real passion of mine. It's part of what I do today. Of course, family is really huge. My son, I mentioned, and my husband and our extended family is very close. And then 
one of my other personal principles that I started to identify during this career burnout journey was really freedom that I had discovered, okay, you know, I can carve my own path. I can kind of break some of these rules. And this was like fulfilling to me on some level that I didn't want to just follow the rules. I wanted to have a little bit more freedom. And I'll say this, even over the last year or so, I've defined this word to be even more personal to me and using the word self-sovereignty. And to me, self-sovereignty is really about, yes, freedom, but it's about creating from uh, this freedom from a place of really listening to your own truth, listening to instead of all the other voices that are out there that are telling you what you should do, you know, what rules you have to follow, um, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, your family or even your own kind of unconscious limiting beliefs, right? We're always kind of like, those are always running in the background too. Instead, it's like getting clear on what is important to you and listening to that and then taking action from there because I truly believe like we are able to guide ourselves on this journey. Again, if we hit the pause button, give ourselves a little chance for some of those voices to come through, then we can make choices based on our personal principles. And we can say, hey, maybe I like this career, but I need to like pivot a little within it, maybe to a different position, or I need to ask for support or do something differently. Or you know what? This career has no alignment whatsoever with any of my personal principles. I need to start considering making a change. So I think looking at our personal principles is really a really a foundational step for people. Well, I love that. And I and I want to dig more before we get into the actual starting of making change. I want to dig into more of those. You keep mentioning choices. And I I the identifying of your principles so you can make the right choices. If not, sometimes, and I this is your I'm going to take your phrase, you can't put a band-aid on a burnout. If not, if we don't have these principles, that's what happens, right? We start putting putting quick fixes in to maybe to hide or disguise what's really going on. Can you talk about maybe the examples of things people turn to and how you approach that subject? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you can't put a band-aid on burnout is something I like to say because, of course, there's tons of people out there talking about, you know, how to get over burnout. And believe me, they have amazing tips and I can share some of them too, right? Like there's so many things you can do. You can, you know, uh, start eating more foods that have endorphins in them, like spices and chocolate that can help with your brain health. You can, uh, you know, incorporate healthy fats so that you feel more satiated and have more energy. Like we could go on and on about different types of tips for burnout. But as, you know, you were saying earlier, someone comes in and there's all these different things going on. That's why we really have to take this holistic approach and we have to not just put a band-aid on it, but really what I call also address the stress. And addressing the stress is like, first of all, caring for the stress as it occurs rather than letting it build up, right? Because when it builds up, that's when it turns into burnout, right? So we have to kind of address the stress as it comes along on a daily basis. And then we also have to be willing to get to the root of the issue, whether it's taking that holistic approach, looking at the inner connection, looking at all the different things that are happening in our life so that from that place, we can start to take responsibility for all of those elements, right? Because if we're just like, oh, wow, I want to lose weight and, you know, I feel burned out and I'm just going to try to change my food. Well, if you're eating unhealthy, is it because you have a very, you know, stressful job that's causing you to have cravings or is it because you're on the go, you have no time? Like we really have to look at the whole picture. Um, So I think that's really huge for people to address the stress and then kind of look at this from a holistic standpoint and then realize, okay, uh, you know, where do I go from there? What do I do? And just also know that, you know, um, not all stress is created equal. Okay. So like, it's normal to have stress. I think sometimes people hear this are like, what is she, is she talking about living a totally stress-free life? No, having some stress is good, right? It it's actually helps boost our brain performance. It's normal. But again, when we don't address it, we let it go unchecked for too long. That's when we can start to see problems and challenges. And, um, yeah, 
That's what I would yeah. say. I'm not sure if I even answered your question. I may have gotten off topic. There. No, no, it did. I just have a follow-up. No, you absolutely okay. did. And and what stress is growth, right? We don't we do not grow without stress. Like you said, the exercise is stress. Like there's stress is a necessary thing, but like anything else in abundance, it, it starts having the reverse of the of the positive effect. Do you do you identify the band-aid? Do you find it helpful to identify the band-aid? Do you feel people are sometimes unaware that they're using a band-aid? You know, if they're turning to call it alcohol, call it negative food dating, call it binge watching TV, frequently canceling or uh, not showing up to work. You know, do you find that people are not always maybe totally self-aware and the first step to change may be identifying the current habits before a real change can happen? I mean, I think that's a great point. And, you know, as you said that, I was like, well, you know, band-aids serve a purpose, right? Like band-aids, sure. uh, you know, they 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 help to kind of, you know, stop the bleeding right now, right? So there could be something there, right? But if the band-aid wasn't there, you rip it off, you know, then what, right? So we have to be able to willing to look at that. And I think that, again, that goes back to this like interconnected approach. It's like, okay, what are we doing now? And how is it serving us? Is it actually helping us? Or is it, you know, is it just a band-aid? Or is it something that, okay, it's helping me, but it's not the whole picture. I need to look at other areas as well. Um, so I think, you know, you bring up a good point there with that. And I think also too, people have to kind of think, okay, you know, if I'm in stress mode, that's where I'm like doing, doing, doing. I always like to think of the energizer bunny. It's just like going, 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 that battery keeps going. Right. And you're kind of in this overactive mode. And if you see yourself that that's even a form of a bandaid, if you see yourself always doing that and then not addressing the stress, like just know that that's not super healthy, right? And 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 if you can just pause and say, okay, if that's the current lifestyle I'm on, I'm on the treadmill, I'm on the hamster wheel, I can't seem to get off, um, be aware of that, right? And then say, okay, you know, what are some things that I could do to kind of make a shift here? Now that's stress, right? But then when that keeps going, it leads to burnout, just to be clear, that's not the energizer bunny. Burnout is like, I can't go on anymore. I can't get out of bed actually, you know, and that is reminds me of another coach in our community. I just got to mention who's Kim Goldham. She was in a very stressful job traveling and just going, going, going. And she calls herself a performance addict. And she was just like said yes to everyone, not only in her work life, but also in her personal life. And she did not address the stress. It just kept building, right? She probably had a lot of band-aids going on, but what happened was one day she just couldn't get out of bed. Okay. She couldn't get out of bed and this was burnout. And ultimately she was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, right? Which is kind of really tied to burnout and something yep. that happened to me as well in a different burnout story that I have very similar to Kim's. But the point is she hit the burnout and then it was like, okay, we can't even think about the band anymore. We can't go on at this point. So we don't want it to get to that point right now. The good news was just like many people who have these health challenges, it was a reevaluation moment for her. She woke up and was like, wow, I've got to do something different. She started to change her lifestyle. And then of course it ignited this passion for her in wellness and in helping others. And ultimately she changed her career. And so where does that, let's go into change. So I guess, where do people, because change is scary for people. I think, you know, people, and we see it in a lot of other toxic relationships too, where people will stay at something because familiarity is still less scary than whatever the negative they're dealing with might be. So I guess what, what are the next steps? And then we can obviously stay career specific, but if someone's in the middle of saying, Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta make a switch. And let's say at this point, maybe they know that this current career is not the right place. Where do we start coaching people in to be able to make such a major life change? 
Yeah. And I say those personal principles are a good starting point, but you know what? I had to actually write a new formula, right? Because I was following the formula, go to a good school, get good grades mm-hmm. and get a jo- good job. And I realized, wait a minute, not happy. Right. So I'm like, wait, this was the formula. So I had to come up with a new formula. And of course it just didn't happen right away. But now today I can reflect back on it and tell you that it's what I call my alignment formula. It actually is composed of three new things, which I'd love to share with people. Cause I think this sure. is a great place to, to kind of say, okay, where do I go next? And so the alignment formula. The first part are knowing what your natural talents are. Okay. So what are your natural talents? These are basically the things that come easily to you. You're really good at, and people are always telling you, oh, you're really good at that, Mike, you know, and I'm sure you hear that with all that you do out there in the world. But sometimes we don't recognize our own natural talents because, because they come so naturally to us. And we're kind of like, oh, what you mean not everybody can do this, right? So sometimes we need others to reflect it back to us. So you can even ask people in your life, say, you know, what is it you think I'm really awesome. good at? And that's a great place to start. Then the second component of the formula is your passion, right? Well, what's your passion? Maybe you have multiple passions. But this is really where you can spend hours just passing so much time by. And there's a quote out there by someone, I think Kristen Mertz is her name, that I just love. And she says, we lose ourselves in the things we love, but we also find ourselves there too, right? So where can you get absolutely lost in something? You know, four hours goes by and you're like, wait, what happened? Right? Might be researching something you're passionate about. It might be an activity that you're doing. And so you got your passion. And then the final component, which is so huge, is your story. Your story is what brings all of this together, gets it in alignment for you and creates the greater meaning. Now, I'll just give you an example of my sort of alignment formula here so you can see how this plays out. So what are my natural talents? Well, I like to say I have many of them, but uh, <laughs> one, of them, one of them is, which I just thought was like something everybody can do, is creating systems out of information. Okay, sounds kind of bizarre, but like I can take in a lot of information and then I say, okay, how is this? applicable. Like how do people actually use this? Right. So I'm very into creating systems. And if anybody who is like in our community knows this, because our whole program is like built around systems that people can customize and use. So I'm like a systems freak. Okay. So that is a natural talent, I guess. And then my passion, of course, became holistic wellness, right? Because of the journey that we went on and how it changed our lives that became very passionate for me. But here's the thing. Well, that's great. What do you do with that systems, you know, wellness, My story is what brought it all together. And my story really became about carving my own path, breaking the rules and seeing that I could do that also in my career. So how does this all come together? Well, today I'm the founder of the International Association of Wellness Professionals, where we support people to create their own careers, carving their own paths with holistic wellness using our proven systems. Okay. So that's kind of a mouthful, but you can see how this came together and you're like, okay, I got a kind of crazy, right? I mean, you never could have told me in a million years when I was that little girl wondering what I want to be when I grow up, that that's what I would be doing today. So for people out there, like if you combine these three things, it may not like be a light bulb moment right away, but putting it into your awareness and always putting these three components forward, I truly believe it's going to bring you into alignment into what you're meant to do. And I will say this, Mike, it may not be that you're going to go off and start your own business or become an entrepreneur. It might be that you discover something about your talents and your story that it just changes how you show up every day, right? Like you love being a good listener for people, but you've been so overwhelmed with stuff that you like have no time to pay attention, but you tap back into this listening and it ties into your story. And like, you just start showing up differently for the people in your life. And it now has more meaning, right? So yeah. Doing the alignment formula, I think, is really powerful. Uh, very. And you know, and as you're talking, I'm thinking through, you know, thinking of my own and you know, the, the death of my dad and what brought me here. And yeah. I really also had to go through things before I could really know where my place was, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's something about life experience. Yeah, you know, I talk, like I work with I work with high school kids and 
you know, we get a lot of postgraduates and interns and, you know, people are so in a hurry to be like, I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to get to my endpoint tomorrow. I'm going to be successful tomorrow. And I think there's something to the advice too of live a little, go experience, try different things. If you bounce around jobs a little bit, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing as long as, long as you're handling your bills. And like, you know, there's obviously a lot of context that can go into that subject. Yeah. But without life experience, without life experience, without some of my loss, without my career experience, I don't know if I ever, you know, I would not have been ready for what I'm doing today. 12 years ago. I wouldn't have, I would not be, and I'm, I'm consider myself very lucky. My daughter will always call me out sometimes on working so much. And I have to remind her, I go, in my mind, I don't work ever, ever. And I did not always feel this way about my career. I have gone through the most money I ever made in my career was not today. It was in the past, but what I did to get that money was not sustainable. And it really was, I was very unhappy in those moments, very unhappy where I'm at today. I, I don't, I don't work a day. And I'm very lucky to say that now where I, I look forward to saying, Hey, I spend the quality time I do with my kids. They go to bed. I want to go grab my computer. Like, man, I want to work on this next. Like, but that took, it really took a lot. And I didn't, I wish I could say I knew your formula before and I did it on purpose, but you know, I really took, I think I inadvertently got lucky and kind of fell into exactly what you're saying, right? I took the time to say, well, I had a story. Now my dad passed. I was already, I already accumulated skills. I was good at what I did in my career. I had good mentors. And then you know, I was able to kind of tie that into, okay, you know what? What I'm doing, no longer want to do it. Here's here's where this is going to take me next. Um, this is just, the formula is awesome. What a good idea. Well, I just want to mention, because I know you have a lot of younger listeners who are kind of, you know, starting out on their journeys. And I just want to say, you know, I, you know, you look back and you say, okay, what, I, what if, if I would have known then kind of thing? I mean, you make up such a good point because everything that's happened to you has led you to where you are today. And I wouldn't change anything about the formula my parents taught me or the jobs that I went on because right. they all led to what I am doing today. And I think it's hard for young people because, you know, on one hand, they've seen, you know, people go these paths and, and get burned out and they see others who are creating these, you know, parent lifestyles on social media and they want to follow their passions. But sometimes your passion unfolds over life because the purpose of a life is a journey and it is unfolding. And we have a saying in our community, which is life is happening for you, not to you. So if you can kind of bring that in, life is happening for you, not to you. You don't have to like push so hard to try to figure it out. Allowing life to unfold and say, okay, maybe here's a challenge here. Something happened. It's actually happening for me. It's not like this is dreadful, right? Like what's the purpose behind it? And kind of just always keep that in your mind as you move throughout this journey. I truly believe you're going to start to get in alignment naturally. You can't force it and maybe part of it is that you have to go on some of these journeys. But if you always have your mind open to, you know, what is what is meant for me here, life is happening for me, not to me, then I think you're going to move toward greater meaning and greater purpose rather than living from a place of, oh, I feel so stuck. You know, this is horrible. Um, it's just a different way of thinking about it. Absolutely. And I'm assuming this is also the answer to one of the other questions I had for you was, how do we avoid not making a lateral change. Because sometimes people make change for the sake of change. I don't like this. So just anything is better than where I'm at now. So I'm going to quit this job, change the position, ask for, you know, and then they realize, you know what, I, I made a change, just ended up feeling wise, emotionally, right back where I left off, you know, and, and is, is that the correlation is that they do not go through this process properly and they jump to change too fast. And that is why they end up maybe with a lateral move. I think that's a really good point. It makes me think of my back to my own journey, right? Because when I left that position where I was in Argentina, I finally got up and said, I'm packing my bags. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just wanted to get out of that position. 
And so I landed in another job where, like I said, it looked different on the outside, but I, there was still a career burnout. Everything was out of balance, right? And, you know, I spent a lot of time blaming my coworkers, blaming my boss, blaming the company culture until I realized, okay, this is on me, right? So if you're stuck right now, and you're just trying to get out of that position. Again, it's kind of a Band-Aid, right? It's a Band-Aid on burnout again, because you got out of that situation, but you didn't reflect on, okay, my personal principles. What is it that I really truly want to do and be that clear about what your next step is? So yeah, I think you could easily make a lateral move. You're going to stop the bleeding over here but you might end up kind of creating just a, a similar but different scenario. Um, so I think, you know, that can definitely happen. One of the things I share with people is like not only getting clear on your personal principles and trying to work with that alignment formula, but it's also getting a closer look at what I call your narratives. These are like our stories about ourselves from really our own unconscious thinking or our upbringing. They're kind of like badges of honor, phrases that we yeah. say. And the reason this is important is that your narratives end up informing the choices you make and your choices end up, you know, tying into the behaviors. And this ends up creating basically the reality that you're, you're creating. So if you don't dig into those narratives, you're going to find yourself just repeating that narrative in a different, you know, uh, scenario. And just as an example of some narratives that people might have is, you know, um, you know, I'm not good at relationships or, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or one of mine was never risk a lot for a little. This was something my dad used to always say we are growing up. Like it was kind of like a little mantra, never risk a lot for a little. Well, because I had that narrative, it kept me stuck in career burnout for many, many years, because even though I left one job, I wasn't willing to take a big risk because any risk to me seemed like risking a lot for a little. Right. So when I was able to look at that narrative, narrative and say, wait a minute, that's not my narrative, or that's not the narrative that I want to carry for. That's not the story that I want to have that then I was able to make a better pivot and a different shift because I saw that that narrative was really operate, you know, causing how I was operating. Right. So we had these narratives, especially around our career. Right. And so another one is I have to be the responsible one. That is a big one that people carry, yeah. right? I can't leave because I have to be responsible. And, you know, they grew up, maybe they were the oldest in their family and they had to be the responsible one for their siblings. <clears throat> so where is this coming from? If we can dig into that, then we can look at it and say, okay, is this a narrative that's true? Or is it just a belief I'm carrying around? And then what can I do to shift the narrative? Because I want to create a new story. And, you know, we have a saying, another saying in our community, which is nothing changes if nothing changes, right? right? So we have to be willing to change those narratives so that we can actually rewrite a new story instead of just repeating the same story as you're talking about here. You know, as we're talking, I, I'm thinking about, a lot, you know, my friends, people I know and, and what you know, the changes they've made. And I can think of a, a handful of people that have, change so much so fast like i mean some of that i mean every like every other post on social media is start a new job here or like starting this business starting that starting this starting that so it's making me think of you know we, we've talked about the idea of being patient and understanding who you are before you make a change but also not staying in a situation too long yeah i think it's hard i know it would be for me to find the middle ground, what's the sweet spot? You know, like how much time, when did you spend enough time gaining experience, trying out some new jobs, understanding yourself? And that takes time. But also when are you like, hey, you know what? You know where you're at. Now you just, you need to, you need to bite the bullet and go. Like it's time, yeah. to, just, it's time to jump in with both feet and say, <laughs> you do understand where you go, take the plunge. I think that's the challenge for people sometimes is, is understand because the message can be stressful. Like make a change. You got to go. You got to go. But wait, hold on. But also take your time and and make sure it's you understand yourself and you're making the right one. Find that sweet spot is a challenge for people. 
I think that's a good point. And I think we're all different too. Like, right. I have this narrative, yeah. never risk a lot for a little. So, and even today I'm totally risk averse. Right. So for me, I need to take small steps to gain that confidence and feel the experience before I go plunging head on. Other people are more adventurous and like <laughs> to just rip the bandaid off and like, you know, there they go. So yeah. I think part of it is our personalities, but of course, oftentimes people are just jumping from one thing to the next, kind of like helplessly looking for, you know, the golden egg or whatever. And so we can't really necessarily always do that. But I do come back to this idea of taking small steps to really build your confidence. And that could be some people need more steps than others. But when I was first, when I re, when I was had the career burnout, and I realized what my passion was and what I wanted to do. I, you know, kind of, I went back to school, I got more training, but I was doing all this while I was still in my other career. And then I was moonlighting. And I was moonlighting where I was working in a holistic doctor's office at night and still had my day job by day, which was very, uh, kind of very interesting there for a little while. But the point was that I it was giving myself permission, but I was also taking these small steps to see what is this like, right? And to give me a little bit of that confidence. Now, if I would have stayed doing that for years, well, then, you know, it's a little out of balance, but I said, okay, I have six months here. I'm going to see what can I make of this? And I came to a point where it was kind of that, again, that tipping point where it's like, hey, I've been there six months. I had seen that I was, you know, starting to build my business. I was starting to work with clients and it wasn't a full-fledged thing, but I knew that if I didn't make the leap, it wasn't going to become full-fledged. So that was the moment that I said, okay, I have to kind of move forward. And, you know, it's uh, one way I think about this is that, you know, we have these fears about making changes, right? And so when the fear of staying where you are becomes greater than the fear of actually going for it, that's the tipping point. That's when you're like, right. okay, now's the time, right? But again, you need to build some confidence to get to that point so that you don't come from a place of fear and then it kind of all just blows up. So now let's go, I'm, I'm gonna go the opposite direction on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pivot here real fast. When do we ask the opposite question? When do we ask the, is it me? Maybe you are in the right career and it's a, is it a, and this is a tough question. I realize that. Is it a work ethic question? Is it a focus question? Is a, is it, you don't, is it an initiative question? You know, maybe you are in the right place, but you need to maybe adjust your approach to the current career, you know, cause I don't want to take that option off the table. Cause I think we, and again, I can relate everything to fitness cause that's what I know. We have to identify that for people too. We have to be able to say, you know what, what you're doing isn't isn't working. You got to try a new plan or the plan is sound. I, I kind of need you to just be a little more efficient, try a little harder. And the harder doesn't always mean more work, right? It can just be a harder meaning just refocus, be more efficient. But when do we ask that question? When is it? Maybe it's, maybe it's you and you to make some self-adjustments within your current career choice. <laughs> That's a really good question. I don't know if I have the answer for that. What I will tell you this, so I do come back to this holistic pr approach. And one of the systems we teach in our community is called Wellness 360, okay? And what it is, is it's 12 elements of our wellness and it's actually across three different layers and there's like 36 dimensions of the self. So it's, it's very cool. uh, broad, okay? But the point here is that it's looking at all these different areas in our life. And again, it's coming from a very individual approach. And when we do this, we're looking at not just what's happening on the external, but we're also looking at the internal and what I also call the symbolic layer, which is kind of this could be a spiritual or whatever you want to call kind of the greater meaning. And for me, when people start to use this system and they look at all these areas in their life, then they can start to evaluate where is it me versus where is it other factors, right? So that's why I think it's hard for people to say, well, is this me? Is it the situation? But when we start using some of these systems and tools to help us say, okay, what are all the areas 
areas in my life? Where are they kind of, you know, interplaying together? And where am I playing a part here? Because it really does come down to accountability. And it does come down to you taking that action to say, okay, I'm either going to make a change or I'm going to show up differently. But oftentimes, you know, you're, you're not sure what to do, like you're saying. So we have to, we have to be, again, no one's coming to save you. You have to have this accountability to be willing to look at yourself. And here's the thing. If you don't look at yourself and you just move on to the next position or next thing, those things are still going to come through. And even if you're like, wow, I found my passion and purpose in life. I'm, I'm quitting the whole corporate thing and I'm going out on my own. Whatever it was that was holding you back, if you haven't looked at it, if you haven't taken out that magnifying glass to look at your own part, to look at your own self, that thing is still going to show up over here. Same things happen in other areas of our life, like relationships. You might be in a relationship and it ends up, you know, you end up, you know, in your relationship and, and it breaks off and you're like, oh, well, this person was that. There's two people in a relationship, right? So you right. had a part. If you aren't willing to look at your own part, you're going to end up in a new relationship. Person looks totally different on the outside, but all of a sudden those same things that you brought over there are going to be over here. So I think it's the same thing with careers too. I, I agree. And I, I think we have to normalize that being okay. It's okay to it's okay to say we we could be better. I think we have to get better at doing that to ourselves. And that's not being hard on ourselves either. A confident person should be able to say, can, is able to say, you know, I could have done that better. I've got a rule here at the gym. If we have, you know, anything, a member is not getting results, a member cancels. Before we can say what that member did, we have to ask what what could we have done better? As a company, as a staff, as a trainer, where did we miss? Because regardless of a, how tough a personality a client might be, you know, how maybe how much they refuse to listen to advice, you know, whatever we believe that they weren't truthful with what they're eating, and that's what didn't lead to results, and they blamed us. For me, it doesn't matter because I can't control any of that. What I can control is what I did in the moment. Could I have communicated better? Could I have supported better? Was there a way I could have salvaged this? And I, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm saying it is my approach. So of course I believe in the approach, but I, I think we need to normalize that being okay. And then not being an insecure thing or being too hard on ourselves that it's a, it's a security thing. I'm secure enough to say that I could have been wrong. I, maybe I could have done something better in, in that scenario or in, in my career choice or not. Yeah. I love that. Right. And I think sometimes we don't want to do that because we feel like, oh, now I have to take some level of responsibility here. And you know what? Maybe your part is only 10% and the other is 90%, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is your 10%. And maybe you don't even need to worry about the percentages. It's always like, what could you do better? Right. And to think of it that way. And I think bottom line is that let's just face it. It's easier to stay in your comfort zone. It's easier to not take action. It's easier to not look at yourself. And part of this is coming from our own egos. We want to be in control. We want to be right. We want to stay safe. And we're going to feel kind of this shield around us when we do that. But it's a false shield, right? It's not the truth. When we're willing to be vulnerable, when we're willing to be authentic, when we're willing to look at ourselves, we can move out of the comfort zone. It might feel a little scary, but we're going to actually come from a more empowered place and it's one of the reasons why people stay in careers that are literally killing them, right? Because they have stories uh, that they're not willing to look at and they're stuck in those stories and they're not really willing to look at their own part in the story that they've created. So I think it comes back to, to what you're saying there. Absolutely. And I don't think we can make change change at all without that, without that process, yeah. without gaining awareness, really understanding not who we are and in, in everything you said, you know, understand our passions, what our skills are, but also understanding where you know, maybe our, our weaknesses are, where we can get better. I, I think it takes a total understanding to make change. And I love the carryovers we've made because we've, you know, we, we talked, we're talking about career burnout mostly, but in relationships, this makes sense. In 
in goals and fitness, this makes sense. There's a lot of ways that this this should become the process for just making you know, a betterment of ourselves in, in general. So I, I love all the connections we've made so far. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It is all interconnected. It's, it's so it's so fascinating. Yes. Kobe Bryant had a famous quote, and I was just a big fan of him as a basketball player, but off the court. Like his messages were really awesome. But he talked a lot about how the end goal isn't really the end goal. Like people start with an end goal, but if they focus on the journey, if they focus on the process, they focus on on on, on the work ethic, that typically by the time they get to the end goal, it changed anyway. I think we we have a an idea of what we believe the end goal is, but are we too focused on that sometimes? And do we need to be better saying, hey, I'm going to create a journey and create a next step and be happy tomorrow? And that doesn't mean we aren't forward thinking, yeah. but are we sometimes too focused on this is the exact image I have of what perfection for me looks like? I, I really love that. I love that whole idea of the potential and then like having the vision. And of course, I think it's important to have the big vision out there. But you know what? Sometimes a big vision can feel really far away. It can feel overwhelming. We can feel like, how are we ever going to get there? And then we just actually get more stuck because it seems so far away or we get too attached to it, like you're saying. And then when we get there, we're like, oh, this isn't even what I thought it was going to be. It's not all it's cracked up to be, right? And so I think if we can fee- we can do a couple of things. One is we can focus more on the experience, focus more on the feelings that we want to feel versus like what we think things look like, right? Like I want to feel a certain joy in my work. I want to like be smiling, right? Because if we're like, oh, it has to look like this. And then all of a sudden we get there and that's not, that's not bringing those feelings of happiness. Well, then, you know, we just wasted all this time working toward it. So I think that's really important. The other thing I tell people to do is to ask themselves this question, what makes me feel alive? Because there's a great quote out there by um, Howard Thurman who says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive, right? So if you can ask yourself, what makes me come alive right now? And that might change over the course of months, years, and a lifetime. You might have the big vision, but if you're always focused on what makes me come alive, you might course correct. You might pivot. You might take little different pathways to the vision and it might end you in a different place, but coming from that place, because when we feel alive, right, we're on purpose, we're, we're feeling our passion and we're always taking kind of the next right step in front of us. Absolutely. Well, you know, Suzanne, I think we've given people a a ton to think about, but I also know we've given them some direction, some specific things to think about with some some really great takeaways. Where can people find find you to learn more about you and what you do? Well, I do want to share kind of a special gift with your listeners that you can't just find out there, which Please. is um, if you go over to superpowergift.com, I think this would be really helpful for people who are actually stuck in career burnout right now. This is just a great place to kind of start to end your career burnout and then start to work with that alignment formula, like really understanding what your talents are and your passion and how they apply not only to your career, but other areas of your life. So you're going to take a quiz and you're going to get your career superpower type. I love quizzes, right? Cool. <laughs> and this is going to help you to kind of operate from your strengths. So go ahead take the quiz at superpowergift.com. And then of course, for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, just wants to follow more what we're up to um, over at the IAWP or listen to our podcast at Live Well, Dream Big, or they're interested in coaching, they can visit IAWPwellnessCoach.com. Very cool. Suzanne, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk about this. Uh, Again, this this is going to be a huge, huge help to people. So I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me here, Mike. It was just so much fun talking with you. I know we could talk for hours, but this was this was really fun. Yes, this is definitely a loaded topic we can go a lot of ways with, but I think this is a really, really good start. So listeners, uh, definitely please, please, please go check out Suzanne and her materials. And you know, if it's not for you, I know you have someone in mind. There's 
there's someone, there's a family member, there's a friend who you know is probably going through something, please direct them to Suzanne's work because it, it can truly be life-changing, um, both literally career-wise, but also from, from an emotional and happy place. So uh, Suzanne, you can stick around for a second. Everyone else, thank you so much. Please don't forget to rate and review and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.